Listener Production. Shares, Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, our very special Sunday morning mailbag edition. It's 2023. We are sticking with our morning starts. We're getting up early. We're out exercising. We're eating well. We're meditating. We're doing everything else that cool kids are supposed to do. And then we're bringing you a podcast on it. No, we're not. Uh, we are pre-recording this on a, in this case, Wednesday and bringing it to you on a Sunday morning because you asked for it because we're nice people and because we're not getting up this early on a Sunday morning. Uh, I am... Scott Phillips, of course, from The Motley Fool. He is Andrew Page from strawman.com. And Andrew, normally I would ask you what strawman.com is, but the good news is, Tim, um, hit me up on Twitter. Hit us both up on Twitter during the week. And, uh, and I thought, if I can't remember what strawman.com is, what we'll do on Tim's suggestion is we'll use the new AI, chat GPT, and, and we'll, we'll see if, if, my, if my shortcomings can be overcome. So Tim, uh, Tim posted a, an image and he typed in, what is strawman.com? And I'll just read the reply from ChatGPT. It says, um, I am not aware of a website or organization called strawman.com. It is possible that it's a personal website or a website that has not yet been created. Can you provide more information about what you're looking for? Says ChatGPT. Tim said, it's a private investment club, which sounded like a good answer. Unfortunately, ChatGPT, ChatGPT then said, I apologize. I'm not aware of any specific private online investment club called strawman.com. It is possible that it's a private exclusive group that is not well known or advertised to the public. <laughs> it's always important to be cautious when considering investing in any private club or organization and to thoroughly research the group and its investment opportunities for making any decisions. So now I'm wondering whether you've been lying to me this entire time, Andrew Page. I asked you what strawman.com is. You say it's a private online investment club. I put it to you, sir that the robots have caught you out. I put it to you, there is no private online investment club <laughs> called strawman.com. Otherwise, surely this brand new, really impressive chat bot would know the answer. Yeah. Well, it is only trained on data, I think, up until 2021. So we'll cut it, we'll cut it some slack. Um, but I mean, it does, it is, it is, as Tim points out, you know, it's, it's you know, uh, at TMF, Scott P officially holds the same intelligence level as ChatGPT. <laughs> I, feel I, was imp- I was impressed by that till I realised maybe you're saying ChatGPT is as stupid as I am. I, I, I was taking it as, I was taking it as a compliment when I first read it. Now I'm wondering what to think. Well, the, the other difference is as well is that this this is a system that uh, can take in huge amounts of information and learn. Uh, you might be able to take in a big amount of information, but at least on this, at least on this point, so far, you've been unable to learn. So if, if I had trained ChatGPT every week for God knows how long and it still got it wrong, yeah, maybe maybe that'd be fair enough. But uh, As you know. my old man would say, the poor workman always blames his tools, Andrew. You're saying that's my fault, I can't remember. I'm saying you're supposed to be the chief cook and bottle washer as well as the managing director and founder of strawman.com. And you're telling me it's my problem. Is that what you're, tra- is that what you're trying to suggest? I'll let, I'll let the listeners make up their own own minds. Fair, fair. But you are, just just, just to be clear, you're, you are telling me strawman.com is a private online investment club after all. Well, as ChatGPT rightly theorized, it is private and it is exclusive. And and we are we are not widely advertised. So I guess on all that, that it, that it is, that's pretty true, pretty accurate. I reckon, Chat, I reckon, I reckon you guys are in this together. 
ChatGPT is doing the whole. Oh, I can't tell you too much. No, I don't think it exists. You'd have to find out for yourself. You're, you're going on this whole exclusive velvet rope thing where, you know, only those in the know can really get in on it. I, I, there's something, I, I, I'm, I'm smelling a conspiracy. I'm, I'm going back to Space Odyssey. Yeah, I can't do that. Sorry, Dave. I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder now. What a great movie. By the way, I don't know if I've, I've ranted on this before, but and it's, I'm, I'm so I'm such a sucker for new technologies. Like, I just run with it. Me too. But, um, oh, man, it seems like a really, really, really big deal, the whole chat GPT thing. Mm. Um, a lot of people are sort of quick to point out some of its flaws. It's just sort of like, it's like looking yeah. at the Model T and going, oh, you know, horses are still yeah. better. Like, cars, will, cars will never work, yeah. yeah cars are terrible. Yeah. Look at all the problems they've got. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the next version's coming out very soon, in fact, which is meant all to right. be a gazillion times better. And you can just imagine the awesome potential mm. of this thing when it has live access to the internet. Yeah. And it is scarily good. Like, it is it is insane. I just, it's not kind of, it, what's, look, technologies come, come and go, but there are some that are really just, uh, represent a, a legitimate paradigm shift and again i know i'm a sucker for new tech but <laughs> it just seems as though wow this this potentially changes everything it's really really hard to think of a industry that isn't touched by this i completely agree actually mate i think um ai is just uh, look i think there'll be a lot of false starts i'm not a i'm not a person who says it's all, it's all happening it's all happening tomorrow it's all over um, but I, I think your point is is really really valid. It's, the the march of this stuff is only in one direction, right? And yes, it's it, it, honestly having having looked at this, it's even churlish to say, oh, it's not. It makes mistakes. If you see how good it genuinely is, if you haven't checked it out, go to I don't know where to go to. Just Google Chat. Open AI. Too. Open there AI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and by the way, here's, here's just an interesting, uh, from the investment angle on it. So Microsoft, I think, owns a very substantial amount of it. Yeah, just recently, and, apparently. Yeah, so I, I feel as though you kind of look at Bing and laugh. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, honestly, let's, okay, nice. It, it's very cute that you've got that, but the rest yeah. of the world's going to use Chrome. Thank you very much. This, this could be something that, that um, really upsets the yeah. Apple cart here. Yeah. Um, Microsoft's made some pretty good investments in recent times, it's true. Um, yeah. So it's 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 uh, it's. I don't, mm. Watch this space is all is all I will say. I think too. We 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 tend to um, human mm. timescales um, uh, can be misleading. I mean, some of these yeah. things they sort of play out over decades, which feel like on our in our <laughs> terms of reference, like just yeah. for forever. In historical perspectives, they are, they are blinks of an eye kind mm. of thing, and it's just so we. It, it's like. Um, Oh god! Like self-driving or yep. other kinds of things. It's just sort of like you know, we can argue about when, but I don't know if we're. I think we're now at the point where it's not a question of if, but when, and, and that's that's more the de- the debate. It just feels as though maybe it's five years away, maybe it's fifteen, twenty years away. I don't know, but but it's 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 the genie's out of the bottle. Mm-hmm. It's coming, um, and I suspect the way that these things kind of work, particularly when they can start iterating on themselves <laughs> things are going to get pretty wild pretty yeah. wild nice should we should we get up with uh our listeners questions rather than talking amongst ourselves yeah probably, probably a good idea yeah good, good. 
if you even do exist. I'm going to ask Chat GPT <laughs> after this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Hello, Scott and Ram says, Bernard, keep up the great content. Thank you, mate. I've been listening since Scott versus Ram Mark 1 and still enjoy the banter, tangents, and what? I would say versus. I'd say and. We're, we're a team. We're a team. Uh, I still <laughs> one enjoy team, the one dream. <laughs> exactly. There's no I in team. There's an us in bonus, as they say. Uh, I still enjoy the banter, tangents, and wise words. My portfolio is down 50% off its highs, and yes, that hurts. Mm. Having ridden out the slump at the end of 2018, COVID, and now the brackets or quotes correction we had to have, this investing gig is really testing my resolve and my buy and hold strategy. Stick with it, Bernard. But that's not why I'm emailing, he says. I'd really like to understand how banks in Germany, for example, can give people home loans for 1% fixed for 15 years, while the best the Aussie banks can do is fixed loans for a few years at pretty high rates. My understanding of what you guys have said is the home loan interest rates are mainly set by money from overseas. If that's right, why don't Australian banks offer better terms to Australian borrowers? Is the Oz market too small with too few suppliers? Is it a regulation thing? Can you imagine what might happen if people could suddenly fix loans at reasonable rates for such long times, he asks. Then here's another question, hmm. Matt, but I'll go with the first one first. Why don't we have 15 or 30 year home loans in Australia at fixed rates? Gosh, that's a great question. I'm, I, I, I don't have the intimacy of, of the, uh, the German financial market to, to, <laughs> to your, know. Your PhD that. I mean, in German finance is still, uh, still <laughs> a couple of years off. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I look, it's, yeah, I'm working on that. But I mean, I, mean no, I know more generally that they're having very significant inflation problems um, as we are here, but, but more extreme. Mm. I know that the... Um, interest rates are also uh, on the increase there. Uh, I um, so I don't I don't I just don't I'm completely shooting from the hip here, but I don't know how long that scenario yeah. can last. It's probably not a huge problem if they've matched maturities mm-hmm. um, effectively. So and if they if they themselves have taken on very long dated loans at even lower rates, and I rates were you know negative in real terms there for for a, for a while so there's there's probably a net interest margin still to be had the risk for the german banks would be if they have borrowed short and lent long so you know they 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 will find that um, things work against them there but i oh, look mate i'm 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 just going to make myself look dumber and dumber the more I keep talking. So I'll, I'll, I'll hot potato it to you. Mate, no, you are very close to right. And the only reason I know that is because I'm not a banker, but Greg McKenna, who has been on the Good Oil podcast that I haven't plugged for a while, but please go and have a listen to that. Greg is yeah, a really smart guy. He's the CEO of Police Bank. Um, he does a really good job. Super smart bloke. Funnily enough, he's actually a trader rather than an investor, but I've always, he and I have always agreed on so much stuff. It's funny how you can take a similar worldview and end up in two different places. Uh, but he's now the CEO of, of Police Bank. He's a really smart guy, a really thoughtful guy. And I asked him this question on Twitter. I may have even asked him on the podcast. I haven't listened to it again for a while, but um, a couple of things. Firstly, there's not a lot of demand for it in Australia yet. Mm-hmm. Secondly, there's a lot of facility for it in Australia at the moment yet. And if you think those things are, you know, both, you know, kind of both problems, but both, one is solved by the other, you're exactly right. But that's the kind mm-hmm. of style, mate. So no bank provides it because there isn't that, as you say, term funding, mate. So mm-hmm. the, the banks in the US offer 30 year fixed rates, but they do it by buying 30 year treasuries. And it literally mm-hmm. is just a like for like, right? right? You get your funding from one source, you lend it to someone else, you make a margin on the difference. That's what banks have always done. And so if you can get a 30-year funding arrangement as a bank, then you can offer a 30-year mortgage. They don't exist in Australia. Now, could they? Yes, probably. 
uh, there'd have to be enough demand for it. But is the demand there? Well, there's no demand because there's no product to be demand. And so how do, you, how do you gauge or add up or calculate how many Australians would want a 30-year fixed mortgage at whatever the given rate was? It's just really, really, really hard. Uh, Bernard, for what it's worth, though, I will share with you, I don't have the German data, but I have the US data in front of me from the St. Louis Fed. St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis, right? St. Louis Fed. One of the two. St. Something Fed. From the Fed. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, so th- this is actually the 30-year fixed rate. Back in 2020, the end of 2020, December 24, is the data I've got. It's this graph here. The, uh, you can get a 30-year fixed rate mortgage in the US for 2.66%. Fixed mm. rate mortgage. Now, as of October 13, 2022, a little bit less than two years later, the 30-year fixed rate mortgage, 69 2%. So when we say 15 is at 1%, I would suspect, I don't know anything about Germany either, as nor does Andrew, I would suspect you're looking backwards at data that had existed. And, you know, we had variable rates at that rate. There were 30-year fixed rates in the US at that rate. They were points in time that have now passed. It's possible that Germany subsidizes them. Maybe there's other, might be other things going with governments and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally speaking, it's because the US, uh, sorry, the EU interests are or were so low for such a long period of time. And they can simply, you know, they're just passing on the passing on the difference, right? They say, take, take mm. one rate, uh, you borrow at X, you, you, you lend at X plus five and you make the difference. That's how they do it. So yeah, right now in the US, if you want a 30-year mortgage, now it's come down a little bit since that number I told you, but it's still, still 6.33%. So if you want mm. a fixed rate 30-year mortgage in the US, you have to pay 6.33%. Some people might take that. The other thing is, of course, maybe rates go back down at some point. That's the that's the other side of a fixed rate. Yes, honestly, it, and, you know, I would have fixed my mortgage thirty years at you know one percent if I could have got it uh, during the worst or the, the worst of interest rates, lowest interest rates during COVID. Would have made perfect sense. Doesn't mean they're always sensible or always good or always even in the borrower's favour. What you're referring to, Bernard, is or you're referencing is just a time when the official cash rate was so dramatically low that it made a whole lot of sense and of course heaps and heaps of US borrowers at the time refinanced their rates again I'm not sure about Germany we don't get much German finance news um, mm. but that's 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 what and that's why Australian banks would if there was enough demand yeah, there would be enough demand if Australian banks offered it and it's a bit of those catch 22s one of the biggest problems at the moment is the Australian government does not offer 30 year Australian government bonds mm. and so it's just harder for those banks to make those long term commitments because they're not able to access 30 year fixed rate funding to offer or to, to on sell effectively to borrowers like you and me. Mm. Hey, just an interesting thing I do know yeah. about the German uh, property market. It's something like <laughs> 40% of people own or, right. or are paying off. So okay. it's, it's, an, it's a nation of renters. All right. Um, and it's a very wealthy country, you know, one of the wealthiest in the, in the world. Um, and it's it's largely a quick one. There's, there's a lot of rent controls. There's a lot of tenancy protections ah, okay. and, and all the rest of it. So it's sort of, mm, yeah. it's my go-to sort of point to an example of, you know, why we need <laughs> better tenancy laws and and, mm. and, and the rest of it. So it, it's, um, I don't know, uh, nothing other than just a, a point of interest, a little yeah, fact for you, for you there. Bernard's second question, mate, I thought was interesting because it's, um, it, it does go to the heart of a, a recurring topic for us. It's not property, it's not Bitcoin. Thank God, says everybody listening. It is. Uh, that Bernard says, uh, you two also talk about the shonky people in the finance industry, but I'm yet to fully understand what exactly it is that these shonks do. I get they take most of their clients' money, allegedly, he says. Thank you, Bernard. But I guess I want to know what to look for in terms of shonky practices, for example. Is it high-pressure sales? Investing in quotes in exotic products, e.g., muscle cars or <laughs> Arctic goats, or hidden fees or plush offices, or dot 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 question mark. Many thanks, Bernard. What is it that that uh, characterises the shonks in our industry, mate? 
I think, again, it's not a conspiracy, but a question of incentives. Mm. And the as we've often sort of lamented, the person who tells the truth doesn't get a single client. Yeah. And the truth is, it's a lot of hard work. It's pretty scary. You know, it takes a long time for investments to sort of be sort <laughs> you of lose realized. money sometimes. <laughs> you're going to lose money. Sometimes you're going to have a bad year. Not all of our investments and advice is going to work out. It's just true. Now, I mean, I would, say that with, yeah. I would say that with an absolute straight face and say, yes, yeah. but in spite of all of that, you can still do extremely well. And that's just mm-hmm. how it goes. You know, it's mm-hmm. a game of probabilities, et cetera, et cetera. The person who says, invest with us, we're really smart. We we just made 40% last year. We're going to do it again. You know, and, and it just you mm-hmm. you you don't they make up depending on the structure like some funds uh make make money uh based uh some of their money based on how much they can beat their benchmark and and um and the rest of it but generally speaking they make money by the more money that they manage to attract not Mm. and and that is related to the returns that they get to 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 some degree but you're just going to say whatever you can to have as much fun funds under management Mm -hmm. and and if you're in the race and you're competing against other people who are shy, aren't shy about sort of making very bold claims, then you're gonna you're gonna lose out, no matter how good an investor you are. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think I think the the incentives are just structured in a way that it, you get the message you want to hear, not the message you you need to hear. Mm. It doesn't matter how much you can point to history and studies and you know examples to sort of say mm, it's probably. Probably a lot of hubris in in some of these claims, but but that's mm. that's probably my best guess at it. Is 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 that's you make money by by convincing everyone to to give it to you, and to do that you will you will be encouraged to make bigger and bigger and bigger and bolder claims. Yeah, um, I'm going to cover some of your ground, mate. But I'll I'll try and I'm going to try and put in some some categories. So firstly, there are some absolute just liars and shonks out there. There are some there are some criminals who would scam you for your money. Mm-hmm. They're not the ones that are represented by the big names that you know, but there are plenty out there who say, "Here, I've got a deal for you. Um, look what I can do for you. And often that's just straight out illegal. Uh, they're, they're on the margins. They're often the Facebook contacts, that kind of stuff. Um, but they'll dress themselves up as having an exciting investment product. Um, there are scams out there that use David Kosh's name, for example, Scott Pape's name, the barefoot investor, and image and say, you know, this is what these, this guy's doing. You should do it too. So there's a straight out, there's straight out scams. We're rarely talking about those people, but they exist. The next category for mine, mate, are the overcharges. The mm. people who charge as much as they can get away with because they can. Mm. Um, if you are trying to invest and, and have a build, build an egg for retirement, there is only so much advice you need. There is only so much you need to pay for that. And there are those out there who will simply say, well, I'm going to charge you X percent of your portfolio value because I can, or X dollars a year. And look, that only represents a certain amount of your portfolio value. Uh, and that is often extortionately higher than it should be. I've mm. said before, um, I've never told my mother I've done this, but I'm sure she's fine. Um, she, was, she was paying thousands and thousands of dollars a year after my old man died for quotes, financial advice from someone who I won't name because I think he's still alive. Um, it was, it was, a, it was a, in, in <laughs> a very unreasonable and large percentage of her asset base. Uh, and it, she went to his office. She sat there for half an hour once a year. He fiddled around with paper, took money out of this fund and put it in that alternative, almost identical fund, backwards and forwards, charged her thousands of dollars a year and she paid the bill and it came out of the... The other thing, by the way, it comes out, doesn't you don't pay the bill, you don't pay a check, it comes out of your account balance. You never even really feel it. Uh, suffice it to say, I took mum out of that account and we did something separate. 
after that. Uh, but there are the overcharges. They're pretty shonky. There are those in and, the industry. I'll oh, go. I was just going to say too, it, it, it plays on um, the fact that 2% doesn't sound like much. Yeah, if, you, exactly. if, if they said, you know, <laughs> uh, we're going to charge you two grand every year for every $100,000 that we're going to manage you on, yep. you're probably thinking, well, that's a lot for, you know, a half hour meeting once a year. If they say 2%, it just sounds, doesn't sound like much. Yep. Um, so that's 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 another great source of, of um, funds is just that that naivety on 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 percentages feeling not that two percent doesn't oh it's nothing yeah I'll happily pay two percent particularly when you feel as though and they and they in, um, pretty much suggest or if not outright say that they will they will deliver you more than a two percent outperformance so why why wouldn't you pay two percent if you can out if you can believe that you can outperform the market by three percent yeah. Yep. It's not even that, mate. It's, it's more cynical than that because people pay 2% because that's what they think they have to pay because they don't know how to manage their own money, which is exactly mm-hmm. mum's experience. Was I, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, they, no, no, this no. Nice man, this nice man is doing it for me and this is the fee. And I guess if that's what he's charging, then I, I guess I pay it because hopefully he's looking after me. Oh, the mar- that, that's, they, that stinks. They they love to convince you that you're not smart enough to do this kind of stuff, yep. which is the greatest lie ever told. I, 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 you know, I, I think anyone of... of average to below average intelligence has all the capacity in the world to say hey mate spend a little less than you earn put the rest into a diversified index fund and just continue to do that until you retire that you know if you can't do that then then you you probably shouldn't have a driver's license or anything else as well but but so i just i just i know you didn't mean this but just a point of clarification is like of course of course she could do that you know Mm -hmm. but but you're led to believe that you can't do that not only that that you're reckless to do that you know, it's the same reason why no one that. sells their own house, right? You go to yeah. a, an agent to do it. Why? Because, well, I'm stupid. I, can't, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, as if putting it out on, on domain is, requires a PhD. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. I digress. <laughs> you do, as always. Uh, I mean, I mean, really, really, really. Uh, we, never, we never go on tangents, mate. Uh, the, other, the next group of people are those who sell crappy products. Um, sometimes they believe it, sometimes they don't. Think about trading systems. Think about the ads on TV that tell you how you can take a stance and you can trade this and you can do that and they are making money from your activity. So there is the make money from inactivity, which is I'll charge you a percentage of your account. Thank you very much. I'll scrape my thousands and go my Swiss holiday. There's the other people say, you could do even better than this. Here's all you need to do. All you need to do is buy my trading system, day trade using this particular brokerage platform, choose your, choose your preferred product, you, you create greed. So the, the other one is basically, you know, take advantage of, of arrogant, ignorance or, uh, or being told you can't do it. This one is actually the reverse to other, to other group of people, which is you're smart enough. You can do this too. All you need to do is pay me $1,000 for my trading system, my platform, my whatever. Um, it's trade, trade FX, trade CFDs, trade whatever else. Yes, I'm absolutely talking about those two things. Um, where the people who make the money are the brokers and the, the exchanges. The people who lose the money are the poor mugs who get sucked in by the sexy trading spiel of day trading by the beach or staying up all night, you know, trading charts, um, dodgy, shonky, whatever else. Um, that's the bulk of the shonks. There are those who uh, we've seen in the Royal Commission gave no service and still charged people, pretty dodgy. Uh, there's a group of a subgroup of shonks who recommend their own company's products and pretend or believe, if you're lucky, that they are genuinely the best product. ASIC did some research maybe five, six years ago now, um, and it found that basically uh, 75%-ish of the products recommended by a planner happened to be products from their financial planning network, even though their job was to find the single best products out there. Now, Either being directly shonky, possibly, 
or they're simply more aware of those products. I think the boss wants to recommend those products. They're told all the good things about those products. Availability bias is a thing, right? If you spend all your life hearing about the Phillips and Page fund management system, and you work for Philip and Page now. Financial Planners, you're probably just going to hear more about you. You're going to be more confident because you know the people, you know what's going on. You're happy to do okay, fair enough. So it's not necessarily directly shonky or deliberately shonky. It still can be, still can be dodgy. You're very generous, mate. I'd be more blunt. I, you know, show me the incentive, I'll show you the outcome. And so many of them, you've got better commissions and kickbacks from their own ones. So just, you know, follow the money. It's, all, my it's favorite, always my favorite and stories I, I had. I'll go. I was, just, I was just going to say one of the there. Um, I'm pretty negative about. Um, fund managers in general, but mm-hmm. there are some really great little boutique ones and mm-hmm. they tend to where the, the, the biggest signal amongst all the noise for me is that the fund managers are required to have their own money in the fund. Mm-hmm. I know Lakehouse do that. Others mm-hmm. that, that I know do that. I mean, that doesn't mean, doesn't guarantee anything, but gosh, you know, they're trying. And when, whenever I see, whenever I see a lot of, um, people pushing a particular product and yet have not a single cent of their own money in it. I mean, that is not the biggest red flag of all. Everyone's got their own personal circumstances. So sometimes it it will make sense, but not to have a single cent, particularly when you're a high-flying Maserati driving fund manager and you can't commit 10 grand of your own money to the fund that you're managing (laughs) and promising incredible returns from everyone. That is just the biggest tell on the face of the planet. And if you don't trust yourself, then then I'm certainly not going to. Yep, I I like that a lot. Um, my last one, mate, is uh, a conversation I had once upon a time with a financial planner from my bank who I won't name. Uh, I don't know if he's there or not. I don't, won't, don't, know, his, don't remember his name anyway. Uh, we talked about the, the costs and the fees that were being paid. And he said, yeah, I know it's too much, but I've got to feed my family. <laughs> and I thought that was kind of, you know, that, about <laughs> as honest as you'll get. And I thought, you know what, for all of the, for all of the jacks all right about that, there is some, there's some simple reality to that, right, of... You know, these people charge a lot because they can get away with it. There are more customers out there who are prepared to pay than there are people who are doing the work. And, you know, I go home to my wife tomorrow and say, so honey, I decided to take a 50 cent pay cut, 70 cent pay cut because I'm charging too much for these people. And by the way, you got to pull the kids out of school and sell a new car. Uh, we all we all live a life and none of us, I think, you know, want to go to the boss and say, boss, you're paying me too much. Can I have less, please? But that's exactly, you talked about incentives, mate. Mm-hmm. That was the, it was just a really, really crystal key. And he was almost apologetic for it. He kind of like, he got it. Like, but that's that's what I do. It's my career. It's my skill set. Yeah, I, I still I, don't buy I, it. No, no, right? nah, nah, I reject that. I, I mean, yes, it's it's true, but it's just like, you know, we've all got to feed our families. You know, you're not in some unique position where the rest of us are just get showered on home by free money, and yet you've, you're in this position where you've got to you're forced to to exaggerate or outright lie. I, I, I hmm. think, you know, what what I would say is, if you're creating value to your customer and society, then you deserve the rewards and recognition you get. I mean, that's it's like it's like a drug dealer saying, Your Honor, I'm sorry, I, I, I addicted 100 people to meth, but I've got to feed my family. Oh, you've got to feed your family. Oh, man, my mistake, please, you know, let this man free. It's just, it's mm. it's BS. I don't, you know, I mean, credit credit to some extent that he was able to sort of admit that, but I don't, I don't mm. buy that for a second. I, I will say, just to be really, really clear, he wasn't doing anything dodgy, or at least didn't say he was doing anything dodgy. He was just reflecting on the, the fees per se that he was charging for the service he gave and just mm. recognizing that that was you know as a percentage of people's portfolios too high as we've just talked about um his argument was that's my job that's my career that's what i do uh, my boss sets the thing i get paid you know what else do i do there is some element of 
um, you know, it's life in general, right? It's, it's a bit like it's, climate change and other things. This feels too big. I don't really know what I can do about it, so I just do nothing because if I, 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 I make my peace with it by sticking my head in the sand. You know, that's that's a very human response. And I was okay. I'm not defending him at all. I was just saying that was kind of almost the the very the very the very human face of that problem is. Yes, I'm charging too much, but it is what it is. And I thought that's kind yeah. of you know that's what's wrong with the industry. And I well, said, what were I said I, I appreciate that, but it doesn't mean people should be paying too much. And he kind of shifted uncomfortably. <laughs> yeah, I know, but you know, it was that kind of that kind of problem. We're all masters of rationalization as well. Totally, I mean, no one, exactly no one thinks yeah. they're evil. You know, that, right, which is kind of my point. Yeah, yeah. Hitler never looked himself in the mirror and go, "Oh, geez, am I doing the wrong thing?" I convinced mm. himself he was on a you know greater greater mission for the good of humanity, as as all mm. evil tyrants do. <laughs> maybe, that's, <laughs> maybe that's unfair to compare compare fund managers mm. to to authoritarian leaders, but um, yeah, you, you've got to you've got to be careful. I think I I, I think you you will. The easiest person to trick is yourself. Absolutely and right. You will convince yourself that you uh, are yep. doing God's work. Yep. You know, yes, if exactly. if that's what is required to sleep at night, you know, you yeah, will do it. Yeah. And we all will. Yep. And I'm, I I will as much as anyone else. I'm sure. Um, you just got to be alert to it. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. One note from Travis, mate, which I, I really like. So Scott and Ram. A good discussion on the role of local bank branches and if they will become extinct in a recent pod episode. I want to share with you a special hack I've discovered to avoid becoming a victim of online scams and hacks. Hmm. My parents use it all the time, he says. Are you ready? Ready. They only go into a bank branch to do their banking, says Travis. No online portals, no one-time pins, no phishing attacks, no social engineering, no security questions or patch vulnerabilities. They go into the bank, talk with a human and do their transactions. They never set up internet banking. And I think it's great, says Travis. Once upon a time, I would have pushed them online. But their banking is far more secure than Scott's or Ram's or my own. The challenge now is they don't know only two banks offering local bank branches and one seems to be doing their service light offering. Bendigo has a full service local branch. My parents have moved 50 years of banking over to Bendigo because they don't want to bank online. As hacks get progressively more sophisticated, I can hardly blame them. So, Scott and Ram... Would you advise your elderly parents to go online and do all their banking digitally? Perhaps you might pause and muse all of the current online security breaches or the estimated half a billion dollars Aussies have lost to online scams in less than a year. He references an ABC article. Love the pod and Merry Holidays. That's from Travis. Hmm. I'm tempted to say I'll take that as a comment, Tony Jones style, but I <laughs> won't because uh, he does ask the, I think it's a rhetorical question, he asked the question anyway. What do you reckon, mate? Is there, is there something to that? There's always trade-offs. So mm. the, the trade-off here is um, massive inconvenience. Mm. You know, I need some money and it's uh, late at night or it's a weekend or whatever. You know, it just so yep. so I, I get all of that. But at the mm. same time, it's, you know, we live in 21st century digital era. Mm. You know, it's, it's, um, it's you, you're, you're, you probably could take it to a next level of, of, of safety and just not use a bank at all and have a massive vault in your basement and mm. just keep the cash there. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's having said that out loud, that sounds really reckless now, but, <laughs> but, but, but there, there are, there are, there are, there are, I, I think, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I, I think that, uh, while risks always exist, the, mm. Efforts to 
eradicate risk carry its own risks, ironically and counterintuitively enough. So mm. I love the ability to transact at any time I want, how I like, when I like, you know, and and if I had to go into uh, a branch, every time I needed some cash or do banking or to pay the rent mm. or to do any of this mm. stuff, it would it would drive me insane. So that's not, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that's my, my trade-offs, the line that I draw is, is different to uh, their parents. But um, yeah, it's not for me. I, so I, I, Travis, I hear where you're coming from, mate. I think for what it's worth, we weren't necessarily saying it was good or bad. We're just saying it's going to happen. Uh, banks, bank branches will disappear. Uh, that is will. And whether that's right or wrong, mate, I, I get a very clear sense of what you think, which is completely understandable. Um, but it's going to happen. Uh, I'm not the one making those decisions, nor is Andrew. Uh, but the reality is they are expensive things to operate fewer and fewer people are going into them fewer and fewer transactions are happening on them uh the banks will do them for as long as they make positive roi and i don't know how long that's going to be i dare say i would i'm going to speculate mate that 30 percent of bank branches at least today are already roi negative they're keeping them because they kind of feel like there's some public pressure to do so mm. uh, I'm, I'm reasonably sure if they if they knew the public was was um agnostic and polys weren't going to give them a hard time they'd close a third of the branches tomorrow yeah. is my is my best guess um Travis, I, the one thing I do hear your um, excuse me, criticism or concern on is is the online phishing stuff. Um, I know as my mother-in-law and mother get older, they are just you know they get emails from things and they've clicked on things accidentally and stuff, and you know that at some point they become vulnerable to that stuff. Um, I don't know what you do, but does that mean um, does that mean we close the internet down? Well, I mean, this exactly. is That's the this is right. the hard thing with all of this yeah. is because any new technology has pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, nuclear is always the go-to example. You know, mm. a lot of a lot of great energy generation, uh, but you can also make a bomb with it. So yeah, it's it's, right. you know, same with nitrogen production. It's actually fed the world in, in our mm. ability to. Mm. What's the name of the reaction? Someone will know. Um, uh, fixing nitrogen is yell it in the podcast machine now if you can say Andrew can hear you. What's it called, <laughs> people? What's it called? Oh, it's a really fun. It's one. Of, it's one of the. Right. It's one of the most fundamentally civilized civilization changing discoveries mm-hmm. and inventions ever yeah. it's really unknown but the um, oh, i forget his name but he figured out how to uh fix nitrogen make fertilizer and just increase crop productivity yields throughout the roof but he, mm. through the roof but you know nitrogen is also a very big component in explosives and and the rest of it as well so just and there's all kinds of examples of this so it's like whenever someone says ah but you can do this it's sort of like that's true, but but it's it's there's nothing that's purely good or purely evil. There are there are again there are there are always trade offs, and and I think for a lot of technologies, you'll find that the 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 internet's a great example, right? The pros well and truly outweigh the cons, to my mind at least. Yep, uh, it's also I, I think at some point, Travis, um, probably I'll say kindly tilting at windmills at some level. It's going to happen, um, in my view. So. Is it good or is it bad? Uh, that's a very worthwhile conversation. Is it going to happen anyway? Yeah. <laughs> no. So there is there is some there is some making of a, of peace with that. Bendigo won't keep those branches for um, when they stop making sense either. Um, there will be some benefit in being the bank the bank with some branches, but also think about the the people who are cash transactions are not going to be very profitable customers either, right? So as well, much as I've this got- might not be nice to hear, um, the people who make money for the banks are the borrowers. The, the, the depositors are sources of funds. There is something there and maybe you can eke out a profit doing that. But um, generally the branches are opportunities for, for income and they come through big borrowers and, and lots of borrowers. Uh, depositors are just those sources of funds, which have a role, but they're not going to make a lot of money. 
And there's just the inevitable demographic change too, yep. you know. So there, are, there is a generation where there holds a great appeal. I mean, no one's eternal. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah. I just can't imagine anyone, well, even of our generation, but certainly our kids' generation, who will just, just laugh at the idea mm -hmm. that, and again, not to be right or wrong, but it's just like you mm -hmm. get, you're used to what you're used to kind of thing. I, this is how old I am. And I grew up in a country town. I remember when ATMs came, I was a little kid, but remember mum and dad being a little bit at first like oh you mean i have to get it out of a hole in the wall what if it what if it issues the wrong nose it actually happened occasionally too and you have to go in and say well I, it said that i took out 200 but it only spat out 150 and you know it's, it, it's just th those the 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 people who value this in-person transaction just are gonna they're already diminishingly small and they'll be even more so in in the, in the years ahead Made a question from someone who says, Hi guys, I would like to stay anonymous. So we will do that for you. The benefit you got this time, by the way, is our wonderful member services team have actually removed your email from the, or name from the, the thing they pasted to me. So I can't tell you, which is very good. Uh, it's a, yeah, they're doing you a favor here just in case I made a mistake. Thanks for the great show, says Anon. I love your in-depth answers and I've learned a lot from the discussions. I'm fairly new to the investing game and have slowly been learning as much as possible. Just ticking along, adding where I can. My intention is to buy and hold for the long, long term and receive a dividend income. I currently hold LICs, that's listed investment companies, and a couple of large companies. I have not invested in ETFs as I'm still unsure if I like capital gains being returned each year. This doesn't seem to be a barrier to many people, so I may be missing something obvious. What I have learned though is to keep it simple. Keep fees as low as possible and time will do its work. That's certainly our view. My problem is this, says Anon. I have inherited a financial advisor and a wrap. This has been a lot to take in, as not only have I had to deal with loss, I also have to try and understand the investments. I didn't know anything about wraps. It seems the fees attached are insane. Mm -hmm. I realize there's access to certain investments that are not available to retail investors, but are managed funds and individual stocks. Sorry, um, but are managed funds and individual stocks really going to outperform index-hugging LOCs or ETFs? Of course, I'm discussing things with the advisor, but I also feel like he has a lot of skin in the game and I'm not sure the advice is truly impartial. Am I missing something really obvious about the benefits of wraps or is my simple strategy just that? Too simple. That's from Anon, as we know, Ram. It's um, funny, uh, given what we were just talking about. Right, that's exactly like, what I was... Isn't it, you was know, thinking. never ask the barber if you need a haircut. Never, right. ever. Like, the answer is always, yes, you do. You know, mm -hmm. you can be follically challenged and they will tell you that you need to to have a haircut. So... Why are you talking... Um, why, are you why, why are you saying I didn't, that? I didn't, here, know, I didn't name why, names. Why are, you, why are you casting aspersions on my lack of... <laughs> <laughs> you could walk in you could walk into a hairdresser <laughs> and they would say let us you know we'll give you a shampoo and a blow dryer as to, well to be as fair, the eyebrows and, and ear hair might not nose hair might need to go but that, that's a whole different conversation <laughs> mate um yeah. so let's let's just quickly break it down before we get okay. into it so financial advisor people are pretty clear with wrap accounts are basically structures that are set up to uh, literally wrap all of your investments together in a single entity a single investment strategy they have some role i was gonna say value i'll say role um they are usually easier to administer both for you and for the advisor believe it or not than doing <laughs> things separately uh they can be useful ways of aggregating those those funds and, and managing them i said for both of you they do however as you say come with very significant fees and i'm still not entirely sure well, those are financial advisors listening by the way if you want to write in defend wraps feel free because i'm about to tear them apart and so is andrew um uh, look you know if if the structure having a wrap account if you want your investments managed that way is perfectly fine 
If your someone says, you know what, just put it all in one thing. I'd like to see it all in one go. You know, like internet banking or whatever else. You know, knock yourself out. It, this this works. And I get that, right? So I'm not going to say wraps are in, in, unquestionably bad. If they work for you, if they're worth the fees, if you want that simplicity, then go for it. For most people, a wrap is not going to be a particularly cost-effective strategy. And they do, as you rightly imagine, Anon, lead your financial advisors to being a little bit uh, creative, not in terms of stealing money or anything, just creative in terms of putting together those sort of portfolios and the returns they're looking for for you on your behalf. The simple reality, and we kind of talked about this when I mentioned the the planner before, but I didn't mention the, the bank they worked for. Um, <laughs> the, the role of the, if information was more easily accessible and easily digestible for people, the role of financial advisor should be limited to those, and, and by the way, the laws were simpler. The role of financial advisor would be limited to those who had really, really high value portfolios or those who could benefit from really, really obscure structures and those who needed help on structure itself. Do I do a company, a trust, do I have it on my estate planning, I've got my insurances sorted out, that sort of stuff, right? Which is used to be the role of the accountant. If you take a view that the average person can get an average return investing in ETFs and particularly last days, oh, I'd go ETFs personally, um, then you've got to ask yourself, what value is my financial advisor adding? Now, they can add some. Financial coaches, what we spend for free, you're welcome, uh, a lot of time reassuring people who otherwise would be scared. And if your financial advisor helps keep you on the straight and narrow, they are earning their fee because you're not being scared out of what's going on. Um, now, they should be able to do that for a cheaper price, but you know there are there are roles for financial advisor as coach. There are roles for financial advisor as uh, uh, guide or um, what's the word, translator maybe of some of those rules and arcane details. There's very little role in my opinion, unless that advisor is giving you meaningfully market beating investment advice for them to charge you regularly in a wrap type structure. Ram? Mm -hmm. I think you said it really well. I've, I've really got nothing to add. I mean, you've, you've, look, there's nothing wrong with paying for a service. Only you can judge the value of that service. Yep. I very much would underline Anon's comments on the value of keeping it simple. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, as I said before, it's, just, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the thing that the industry really doesn't want you to know is that it is actually, I'm not saying it's intuitive or it's easy, but it's certainly accessible and it actually becomes very easy with time the more you get, you get used to it. It's not beyond any of us. So, so you know, someone who keeps it very simple, com complexity sounds smart and we're attracted mm. to, to what sounds smart. And so someone is going to come in and say, hey, Scott, you know, you should really get into some unlisted investment classes here. And, you know, you're not having any exposure to, I don't know, Argentinian um, goat farms or something. Oh, no, geez, you're right. I don't. And, you know, it's just like it feels as though and things get very technical and complicated. And we think, well, it's very complicated. So that must mm. be better. And certainly I'm, I'm going to need someone to help me with all of this. Mm. Again, I'll just repeat it because it's, it's just so easy. Spend less than what you earn regularly contribute that to a broad-based index fund, you will do better than 90% of other people out there. You just will. I'm always, I mean, I, if you want to guarantee buy a toaster, I, we can't do that in this game, but it's about as close to a guarantee as, as, as I, I can give. And um, if that is beyond you and you want someone to do it for you and you're happy to pay the fee that they mm. charge, then by all means, there's, that's no, there's no wrong answer. But for me, uh, and I think for the vast majority of people, it's, it's completely unnecessary. And I will say, Anon, because you've already you've already got yourself into some LICs and shares, and you know about ETFs. 
you know, as Andrew said, most people can do it themselves. You are already doing it yourself. So yeah. maybe maybe that's kind of your key your key point. Um, look, there is a chance that in some years that advisor's wrap will do better than your own portfolio. Well, statistically, that's that's guaranteed, right? There will periods. be periods where that's true. Yeah. And so FOMO says, well, what if I'm missing out by not doing it? And that's what keep a lot mm. of people engaged. Maybe they do know something I don't know. Maybe there is some value in that unlisted asset class. Maybe that wrap does have something I'm not aware of. Maybe I should keep it just in case. Mm. That is a very, very, very natural human response to the problem. Uh, I I can't give you personal advice, neither can Andrew. What I would say is if I was in that situation, I would personally, um, unless the advisor is giving you advice or information or helping you get achieve returns you couldn't do yourself, then there's your answer. You, you, I think yep. you already know the answer probably. I get you're asking the question. You're asking the question is exactly right. Am I missing something? And that's always the risk. That's, always, that's how they manage to keep people is maybe I'm yep. missing something. Maybe they do know something. I better be careful. One day, Ram... You and I need to, when we both win Lotto or when you sell Strawman for $84 trillion and, and uh, let, let, let me stay in one of your palatial uh, mansions that you build, um, when, when we don't need the money, we should sit down and actually write. The, the thing that's missing from financial advice, and it's, so firstly, the laws are stupidly complex, right? I want to be treasurer for six months, just fix the laws because that would solve most of people's problems, right? Mm -hmm. Get rid of the tax loopholes, get rid of the structural rubbish, just keep it really simple. Um, that would that would frankly put most financial advisors out of work, and that's okay. Feel sorry for them. We can have a financial advice like like with you know, climate change. Well, we'll have a finance change uh, pool. Like we'll look after them. We won't, won't throw them out in the street, but we'll change mm. the system so that people aren't paying more money than they need to. What's yeah. missing? So simplifying the laws. The bigger this is missing in the between, mate, is I reckon you are well. You're obviously more educated than most, and maybe um, maybe most of your friends and family are. But you know, if I speak about my my mother, sorry, mum, the the reality is, even the way you describe that, my mum wouldn't have the confidence or the, or the information to go about. She's a very smart lady. She mm -hmm. hasn't been in the area. She doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't know what she doesn't know. There's, there's a, there is a big gap for the average person to get to the point of a non who is now investing in LICs and knows exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. Now, hopefully that, our podcast is solving that problem. But when you and I get rich, we need to write a general advice bit of work that suits 94.4% of people who are just like, okay, if you don't have this and this and this and this and this, if you're not a multi-squillionaire, if you have a very simple system, you work for a living, da 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 here's, the, here's all you need to know. And here's how you get an ECF, and here's your Vanguard account or whatever it is. Who cares who it is? I like Vanguard, as you know. Um, this is all you need to do. It's just really hard because no one, you're about incentives. No one's got an incentive to say, please uh -huh. don't pay me. Please do it yourself. Please keep it simple. Please do it like, even the Motley Fool, we, we give stock tips for people who want to buy individual stocks, right? Most people mm. shouldn't. I've said this before. Mm. Most people, this is bad for business. Sorry, boss. Most people should buy ETFs and do nothing. Just do that. Yep. And you know, it's simple as going to, going to the, the pay office saying, look, every time I get paid, can you put 10% of my money in that account over there? You say to Vanguard every month, you take some money out of there, put it in a Vanguard ETF. Can you please give it back to me when I'm 67 and we're done? Mm -hmm. That's literally what 95% of people should be able to do. If the law was simpler and if financial education was more transparent and available, that's all you would need. And the yep. answer for most financial advisors should be, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You're doing it well enough by yourself. I can't add value to your financial circumstances. You're doing great. Keep it up. And yep. I'm not going to charge you because I've given you no help. That's what the financial system should look like. By the back to Shonks, that's why the, the, the entire system is structured to make it complex and difficult and opaque and seem too complex, so that you can't possibly do it yourself, or you don't want to do it yourself. Or you're not sure if you can do it yourself. Someone's blows my it blows my mind that there isn't more financial education at school. Like, yeah. of all the things to equip young people uh, with for a for a life of adulthood, yeah. you know, money is this thing that's just fundamental, foundational to everything we do. It's not about mm -hmm. just being 
quote unquote rich for the sake of it. I mean, it's just it's how we interact. It, it's it's the it's what lubricates society, you know. And we do yeah. none of us know anything about it. We're not taught anything about it. It just seems I don't know how we couldn't for year. 10 students mm. include a subject which is basic financial management. I'm not talking about getting into the esoteric nature of, you know, some of these things, but just sort of like, hey, here's some here's some really good lessons that'll 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 steer you in the right direction for your for the, the decades ahead. It just seems like just such a massive miss, you know. Anyway. Yep, agreed. Agreed. Mate, um, I could really good question. A very different tangent. This one is from Luke, who says, Hi, Philo and Pagey. I have a question for the pod. I enjoy researching and investing in small caps. Oh, he's a fellow traveler, Ram. Me but too. I struggle to assess management with any degree of conviction. Me too. I believe, honest and, <laughs> I believe honest and competent management will be super important, especially in smaller businesses. So I'm hoping you have some ways or tips on how to evaluate management accurately. Yeah. Keep up the great work. It's greatly appreciated. Full on. Thanks, Luke. What can you tell yeah. Luke, mate? Yeah, it's really hard um, because they... Uh, generally speaking, people at, at who are, have become CEOs of even small companies, you know, they tend to be pretty good communicators and they certainly know the business better than you do, no matter how much research you've done. And all of us want to hear a good story. Um, so it's, it's very, very tricky. Um, but there are a few rules of thumb. I, I think some investors take some of these too seriously, too black and white, but they're, they're useful yeah. heuristics. I always like the good old-fashioned skin in the game. You know, someone who's got a significant part of their money in the business is a good sign. Uh, not that, yeah, they'll all have shares, but, you know, given free shares is is very different to putting 30% of your net worth into the, the business mm. that you're running. That, that's very different. And again, guarantees nothing, but, you know, they're trying, right? Um, I think that's good. I think looking at what was said in the past versus what happened. Now, again, you've got to be careful here because even the most ethical, honest, hardworking, capable person is going to get it wrong or is going to, something's going to come out of left field and hand on heart, they felt that this was the best path forward and this is how things are going to unfold and it didn't. They're not crooks because of that. Mm. But you will see certain things where it's just sort of like, it's never their fault, you know. It's always someone else's problem and, you know, we could never yep. have foreseen this. The person who takes ownership of errors, the person who is clear in their communication, the person who's capable and smart enough in the first place not to make silly promises, I think that is that is a huge tell. When you've got someone out there telling you exactly, every now and again, I we, we do, um big part of what we do at Strawman is offer interviews with, with small cap CEOs because we do find such value in sort of looking in the whites of people's eyes and 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 seeing what they've got to say. But every now and again, you get someone who goes, oh, look, I, like, and I've only just met them for the first time. We're having a chat, trying to line something up. Look, you know, I can't say too much, but geez, the next few months are going to be great. Instant red flag. I don't know you from Adam. Why are you telling me this? Mm. You're probably breaking, well, not probably, <laughs> you're... you're you're skirting with the law, you know, but it just goes on. It happens all the time. Or fund managers will say, it's just sort of like red flag, red flag, red flag. They owe you nothing. They're telling it not because they're a nice person and they want you to make easy money. They're telling it because it serves, <laughs> it serves their own interests. So people who are very level uh, in their, in their promises and their expectations, I think is a, is a great sign. Someone also, I think you, you can, you can learn a lot by the time horizon that management operate under, or at least, talk to if it's all about the next quarter you know i uh, i worry about that i love the ceo 
who's talking about where the company is going to be in three, four, five years and how they're going to get there. The challenges that they face. All the que- one of the questions I always ask is what are the risks? You know, what are the challenges? And, you know, and every now and again, you go, oh, we don't really have that many. And it's like, well, <laughs> business is business is risk. Business is yeah, challenge, yeah. you know, so just- and if you that, don't know what that, they are, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I just, you know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to, you'll never put it into an Excel spreadsheet. There's no formula for it. But practice does help, you know, and you start to pick up on, you start to get a bit of a spidey sense of thing. And I'm, by the way, it'll misfire all the time. Lord knows I've made lots of mistakes. It's hard. It's very hard. But, but I think some of those tells can be informative. I like that, mate. Um, I'm not going to add much, uh, a couple of things. You mentioned skin in the game. I'm going to go one step further and say founder owners generally are oh, yeah. Yeah. exceptional. Um, Again, so take this as heuristics as you as you you said around Luke. When you think about this, these are not guarantees, nor are the red flags guarantees that they'll go badly. Yeah, uh, it's just questions of your job is to assign probabilities and assign risk weightings, and the green flags, if I can use that term, should improve the probabilities. The red flags will probably make them worse. Generally speaking, played mm. out over a large enough um, cycle. So founder owners huge. Um, uh, candid candor generally um, f- clear with the bad news clear with the good news um, companies that and this probably some of these red green flags matters they're really really rare like exceedingly mm-hmm. rare these days mm-hmm. right um, if you read the annual report and or the earnings releases or whatever and they are careful to report abnormal profits in both directions <laughs> that's a really important one Sol Pats I'll give a shout out they're not a small business but they have I think they're called normal earnings can't remember now and they just, they just pick a number. And sometimes it's more than the reported earnings, sometimes it's less. And they just do it. Mm. Here's the normal earnings. Here, here's, here's the number you need to know. Here's our reported numbers, but here's the number you need to know. Yep. Um, and so they've done that for are, 20 years or whatever correct. it is. They haven't changed the definition. Yeah. Now, that was my next thing was consistency. So mm. to your point about not only doing what they said they were going to do, but is the information and the communication of that information the same? Are they changing metrics every year? Are they focusing on different things every year? Huge, huge red flag. Mm. The challenge with these red flags, uh, sorry, yeah. The challenge with these red flags, though, is that it's hard to tell the difference between a CEO who is doing it because I think they should or they're told to and whether or not that means it's bad for business. I hate with a passion every tech company presentation that starts with, our total addressable market is 84 quadrillion bajillion dollars and mm. we're going to be in Mars by 2058 and uh, the world's going to use this new 85-blade razor that's AI-powered and Wi-Fi enabled and we've, we have, you know, we're .com and we're this. You know, we're now offering Afterpay and all the buzzwords and rubbish, right? Often it's rubbish. Sometimes, having been in this situation, this is where you've got to be careful not to be too cynical. Is, just, is, it, is it bad? Yes. Is it a kind of orangey flag? Yeah. But just be careful you don't discount everything because of it. To Andrew's point about the positives and the negatives, mm. take them all with a grain of salt. I've, I've worked with, frankly, listed company CEOs who have done what they've done because the CEO expects it, the board expects it, fund managers have wanted it, the rest of their competitors are talking like that, and mm. they feel like they have no choice. Now, in a perfect world, they would say, get stuff, Jack. Now, they might mm. lose their $5, billion, $5 million a year job, so you're going to be very careful about who you tell to get stuffed. But also, too, my point is it doesn't necessarily make it a bad business. So you've got to, it separating the... The, the, the noise, the, the the lights and the, you know, song and dance from the actual reality, just because there is song and dance doesn't make it bad. Absolutely discount the song and dance. Ignore it. Rip the first three pages off the presentation, throw them away and start mm. with the numbers, right? Mm. But it's, it's just it's just difficult. I hate it. I'd rather they didn't do it. I, I really like them as a don't do it because they are showing independence of spirit and mind. I'm just making the point that if they do, it doesn't make them bad by definition. It's almost one of those false pe- false positive, false negative problems. Yeah. Um, so just just be, and that's across the board. One I uh, shareholder selling, I just have no interest in talking about. I don't care. 
Um, some people think it's a massive red flag. We've used the example for Marcus Blackmore selling Blackmore shares at 30 bucks to buy a yacht. They went to $230 subsequently. Um, I love the candidness else, though, right? Like, is it great? A lot of yeah, people would have said, yacht. oh, I don't need to diversify <laughs> my reasons. portfolios. Yeah. No, I'm buying a yacht. <laughs> uh, right? Now, the, what's, what's important though is other times that will happen. And in, in a parallel universe, Blackmore shares go from 30 to 15. Everyone says, ah, I knew he was doing it for that reason. He knew the company was overvalued. He knew the shares were going to fall. Can I tell you, having worked with and, and been exposed to a lot of directors and, and internal company management, they might know their business moderately well. A lot of them are not stock pickers, nor are they share price no. guesses any better than you and I. So no. the whole idea of like, oh, they knew that share price was going to go down. It's like, if they knew that, they would know when the share price was going to go up and they would be loading up on that. They don't do that either. So, you know, like it's yeah. it's all a little bit too cynical. I, I, I guess I would say be skeptical. Just don't be cynical because you don't want to mm. blind yourself to good opportunities just because, right? Um, Rosalind Kogan sold shares at $9. They went to 25 I own Kogan shares. Funnily mm. enough, drink. Mm. Yes, we know. Um, mm-hmm. They then went to 3 Now... You know, you tell me if you knew we would have waited till $25, right? Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just, these things are not very, just be careful with that. Shareholder buying, though, is often a good, insider buying is often a good sign. Again, yeah. with a caveat, be careful of window dressing, which is the, the, the multi millionaire director buys $10,000 worth of shares on market. Yeah. Oh, look, directors are buying. It's like, well, k- kind of, but, you know, yeah. like... It, 0.1, they, 1.1% of their wealth is right? in that company. And they, do, and they yeah. do it deliberately to show to show the market that they have confidence in the company. It's like, well, yeah. so you're doing it for craven reasons and mm-hmm. you're not doing it with any significant share of your wealth. So again, I like shareholder buying, but also keep that in mind. Um, There's a great saying a, just on that, uh, by the way, which is um, insiders... Buy, uh, insiders mm-hmm. sell for many reasons, but they buy only for one. Yes. So I would, I would wait... Uh, with, with the caveat, important caveat that you mentioned, you know, degree. There is a question of degree, but you know, I, I, there are a lot of legitimate reasons to sell. Sometimes you just get Correct. a big tax obligation. It's like I have to yep. sell shares. I will say one hundred percent candidly that if I had ninety nine percent of my wealth in a company, <laughs> uh, and that, and you know, I'd, I'd bootstrap my way up from the ground. And now it's worth a hundred billion dollars. You can be damn right. I'm going to sell some of my shares. I say so. Why? Because I'm taking some money off the table because I want to enjoy the fruits of my labors. Yep. And it's probably a little bit reckless to have so much of my money in one thing. Does that mean that I I feel as though the company's about to collapse or there's some real? No. It's just. I think it's probably pretty prudent. I mean, the the person who does leave 100% all in on that is is the (laughs) exception. But they're not Mm -hmm. they're not evil. They don't know anything. I I I just if ever I'm I'm never going to be in this position but if ever you see me as a a ceo of a listed company (laughs) and and that i have a significant significant chunk of my wealth in a business Mm. i I would probably sell some down for the same reason any of us kind of would because why not i can't spend it when it's in shares and i i don't you know you can't spend it when you're dead so i i I feel as though there is that there is that that's very different from i am progressively and consistently selling everything down uh that's okay that's a red flag i'm getting out but yeah you know, i sold 5% of my total shareholdings and i still retain 70% interest 70% of my wealth in that business that you know that's a very different story so just as you yep. say don't don't be cynical really really yeah yeah i think that's right i think finding the right the right point in between all that um there I- I think it's one of those. I'd almost use scores for this sort of stuff. You know, I'd almost, I'd almost break it up and say, right, where are we going with this? What does it look like? How does it, how does it work out? Um, am I getting the? Not, I don't, I don't believe in scoring stuff like that. But if you literally write one, one mark for, yeah, you know, a, a, a green mark for a founder owner, and minus one for selling some shares, that's fine. As long mm-hmm. as it's, a, you know, don't say one green flag got to buy the shares, one red flag got to sell everything. Just yeah. be a little bit thoughtful about how you make it up. Hundred percent. 
Speaking of thoughtful, have a thoughtful Sunday, Andrew. Thank you. After like joining it. me this Sunday morning, enjoy, enjoy your meditation and uh, healthy eating and exercise and have all the good things you're going to do. You know I will. <laughs> I do. Will you join if, me I had, if I had a sound effect of a beer opening right now, I probably would. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Come on. Oh, my life. It's all up in here. There we go. Um, there you go. So it must be time to go. Um, but yes, will you come back on Friday? I will. It couldn't stop me. Enjoy your morning beer. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Cheers. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.